Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talking About Birds, the only Cardinal podcast that, like Shohei Otani, is trying to avoid the Cardinals. My name is Nate Heininger, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Ben Samorka. Hi, everyone. And this week on the show, we are going to talk about the recent roster movements. We're going to dig in on Nolan Arenado and his recent slump. We're going to try to pick apart the pitching a little bit, and we're going to talk about the upcoming series against the Tigers and the Cubs. If you have an idea for the opening bit, tweet us at Talk About Birds. Hambone, we're back. We're slightly more uh, tanned than we were last week. Um, at least I am. And we just spent a couple days together, the Lake of the Ozarks, yeah. uh, with fe- within like fe- six feet of each other for yeah, like two three close, days frankly. straight. <laughs> yeah. uh, fiercely competing. Oh. Uh, in in a competition, I mean, we're we're very competitive people. So you put us in a competition, and you know we're going to go hard at it. We're going to give it our all. Uh, you know, yeah. show up show up early, stay late. Real real gym rats. Uh, yeah. you know, hundred and ten percent, so on and so forth. And uh, uh, if you if you're new to the show, or if you missed last week, Ben and I compete compete using that word lightly now, uh, in a, in a yearly fishing tournament down at the Lake of the Ozarks hosted by my father last year. Uh, we did horrible, uh, <laughs> dead last by a yeah. mile. Yep. And, uh, you know, Ben, I'm, I'm just so proud to announce that this year we somehow managed to do worse. <laughs> a massive step back, massive step back. Yeah. 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 Uh, I broke a rod, which I think highlighted, uh, which was maybe yeah. my, my biggest accomplishment of the weekend. It's a, it's really the only thing I did that has, it a was meaningful, impressive. Yeah. It's a, it's the only thing that changed our circumstances on the weekend. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, we did bad. So, uh, we go with our, our buddy, Chris does all the music for the show. Thanks, Chris. And, uh, he did okay. He did better than us, which is not much, but he did better than us. But once again, out of like 15 people on the on the list, we were bottom three. Yeah. Uh, ben and I tied for bottom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, actually, I dropped we, a, we really should have been. Uh, yeah. I, I caught one, but it was not big enough to qualify for the tournament. We also <laughs> didn't fully read the rules and showed up an hour late on the second day. At, which technically like an hour and a half a, late really yeah which technically carried a penalty of negative like what's supposed to remove weight off of our total uh but they graciously let us stick at zero because <laughs> otherwise <laughs> we would have been in the negative um but you know what we had a great time it was a beautiful weekend uh you know fun time out on the water and I'm going to repeat my point from last year that I think is is still apt, still still relevant, is that I believe even more firmly now 
that your ability to fish is directly inverse to your ability to contribute to society. And in fact, we're the real winners in this moment. So wow. all these old, all these old retired guys that we, that we fish with, you know, of course they're good at fishing. What else do they have to do? That's a great point. We, yeah, we they don't do have contrib- two podcasts. We pay taxes. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. How many podcasts do they have? I bet they couldn't even pull up a podcast. If their probably life depended ask, on it. Probably ask, what time does your podcast come on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to my dad who does sometimes listen to this show. <laughs> oh, hey, Ray. <laughs> Uh, it was good. It was good. I, you know, it was a good time. Beautiful weekend again. But uh, man, I well, our big takeaway this year was not how do we get better at fishing, but no, but rather that we need to buy a pontoon boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Slow it down a little bit. Yeah, you know. Yeah, we. What are we rushing well, to? We had uh, we had a new boat this year that was capable of going really fast, but if you went fast, it all it wanted to do was turn right very aggressively so i uh as the person piloting the boat when i was going fast i had to put all of my weight into turning it left in order to go straight so it was fun it's a unique experience for being a boat it hated the water it well depends on how you interpret it because it was also sinking the entire time so i think it loved the water it wanted to be uh of the water sure it it did not seem to be in its element, I guess is what I mean to say. Yeah. It, yeah. But you Underwater get all, is its preference yeah. over on It's top. where it wanted to be. Yeah. But to be fair, you get all of us on a boat. Most are just going to want to sink. So fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see how this goes next year. We'll do it again next year. Same time. Probably. Sure. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like there's only way that we can only go up from here. However, we didn't sink the boat there. I guess going downhill would still be sinking a boat. We'll see. Uh, so that was a great weekend. There was uh, what here's a fantastic pivot. Unfortunately, there was some bad news over the weekend that I do want to talk about. Um, it, it happened a few days ago, but uh, you know, we're just now recording. Mike Shannon passed away, 83 years old. Um, so just you know, want to give love and appreciation to him and to his family. Uh, I've said it a lot on this show, but I listen to way more show uh, baseball than I watch. Uh, just the way my my schedule works out and and kind of my one of my enjoyments of baseball is, is listening to it. I think it's a great radio experience. And I think for how many generations now, Mike Shannon is really the voice of the Cardinals. Yeah. And uh, uh, just a huge, huge fan of Mike Shannon. And so, um, yeah, just felt like had to had to hit that at top, at least after our dumb fishing story. Yeah, I mean, he was on the radio for, I think it was somewhere around 50 years, and every generation of Cardinals fan is is pretty much tied to him, either as a player or as a broadcaster. And then obviously, like, bringing the biggest personality in sports, like he's a Bob Euchre type uh, announcer, you know, that will, will just go down yeah. as one of the best of all time. Um, and for me... Uh, and I know I'm biased, of course, because I'm a Cardinals fan. And I grew up when I grew up. But the get up, baby, get up, get up is the home run call uh, in my oh, yeah. mind. It's 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 excitement. It's on the radio. It's it's the best. Um, so, yeah, sad to see Mike go. Um, but uh, a legend. You know, what, what are you yeah. going to do? A legend. Yeah. Even 
even in his last few years where it was getting a little rough on the radio, I still enjoyed it more than yeah. anybody who would sit in that chair. I am a big fan of John Rooney. I really like John Rooney. Uh, but but still, like Mike Shannon was was just something different. And even a diminished Mike Shannon was a yeah. an enjoyable, fun goofy sometimes awkward uh uncomfortable wonderful experience rooney keeping shannon on the rails that alone it was enough entertainment for three hours yeah. for me like that okay mike hey the game's still going on you can't like <laughs> yeah. just try to pronounce this guy's name for five minutes straight um but yeah it's he was the best Especially later on when he he just stopped trying to pronounce names as much and he would just refer to the players by their numbers, yeah. which was <laughs> difficult as a radio experience. But yeah. I also, you know, I, I liked it. Uh, so, yeah, huge fan. Uh, much love to Mike Chandon and his family. Forever a Cardinal legend. So I. Uh, uh, with that, there's another thing we wanted to touch on, too. Um, we talked about it for a little while in an episode what is it two, three months ago when this was first announced that they were going to start doing this? Uh, the Cardinals unveiled their unveil as if it's like an exciting, fun, new thing, but so uh, yeah, they, they released the new patch that they're going to have on the Jersey. Uh, it's, it's a partnership with, uh, Stiefel. Um, and it just says in, in red lettering across the, the right sleeve, uh, the, the name of the brand, um, you know, this is, this is the wave of where everything is going. If you can put an ad on it, it's going to have an ad on it. They announced it earlier. Uh, we thought it should have been, we got the meats, a nice RB hat on there, Hell but, yeah. uh, you know, or put little RB hats on the, uh, on the birds on the bat. But uh, what what's your initial take, or what are your thoughts on on the new <laughs> logo on the jersey? Hey, I I could rant and rave about this forever. I told Mary, my uh, lovely wife, about this last night while we were watching a little bit of the Dodgers Reds game um, as the evening was winding down, and she gestured uh, wildly at the screen, saying, "Is there not enough advertisements on the, uh, happening already?" Everything. Um, yeah. And you look, you know, you look at the screen and the entire background of the uh, batter's eye and every uh, the background of the uh, behind the catcher, everything there's there's it's plastered everywhere. Um, but thank God there's already an advertisement on the uniform with the Nike symbol. Uh, but thank God, you know, they've squeezed another advertisement, gotta get it in there. another dollar out of this game because Lord knows that the DeWitts and other teams aren't making enough money. Um, yeah, my opinion on this is, I, I think I said this a while ago, I will never buy a Jersey with an advertisement patch on it. Um, which I know that's not something you really care about, but I'm a, I'm a Jersey buyer. Uh, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll never do it. I just won't. Um, I, I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I know that like soccer fans and NBA fans are, are used oy. to this and, and, oy, oy, and oy. maybe, maybe I'll, uh, my sword will be dulled down over time and I'll get used to it and it won't be, uh, that big of an issue. but. I absolutely hate it. I, I think it's terrible. I think the Cardinals have one of the best uniforms in sports. Um, and this is taking away from that uh, in a material way. I will say to not be the most negative person in the world, at least it's the same colors. They have a yeah. patch to match each uniform, the home road and away uh, and uh, uh, the special ones, the blue and the uh, 
uh, the away. So right. I, I'll give them yeah. that. At least it won't be horrible. Like I know the Cincinnati Reds, they basically just have one patch for all their uniforms. It looks pretty terrible. Uh, the Mets terrible uh, uh, patch got some press earlier this year. Um, that has been adjusted to kind of fit into their uniforms a little bit more. Um, but again, it comes down to like these these owners don't care about the game like we do. They're just trying to make money off of it. Um, I I <laughs> I think baseball is a it, it, you know it's curmudgeonly. Um, it's it's we like to look on the history and, and the entire history of baseball. We've had these great, clean, beautiful Cardinals uniforms that again I think are as good as they get. Uh, those in the A's are, are probably my two favorite and putting something like this is just, uh, is just stupid. I don't know. Sell the team. If you want to make more money, <laughs> like I, I, I hate it. That, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but Benny, so. I don't think you're thinking about the poor widow owners enough. <laughs> I also like, I don't know what Stiefel is. Um, and I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to let this advertisement, uh, increase the Work. awareness. <laughs> but uh, if it would have been like a Bush or a Budweiser patch, I think I even could have been a little like at least there is yeah. a long history of the Cardinals and their relationship with Budweiser um, that I could have even done the mental gymnastics to be a little bit more on board with. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it's it's dumb. Good rant. A A tier rant rant there from (laughs) you. Um, I, I, I'm inclined to agree. I'm not much of a Jersey buyer, but this makes it even less likely that I would buy a Jersey. So I completely agree there. Um, I'm not a big, uh, slippery slope guy. Like I hate that argument. That's usually a, a frustrating argument used to stall progress. Uh, but in this case, I think that this is, this is the, like I, I worry, like where else are they going to try to cram these things, and it it will end up looking like uh, soccer jerseys, which I also don't like how they're covered in ads. It's it's a it's been a thing with that sport for a lot longer, so you're just used to it, but it doesn't mean it looks good, um, right? So, uh, and then on your point, like you know, I to be fair to them, it is pretty, it it fits in nicely for what it is. Like it could be horrible and gross looking. And for the most part, it just blends in. So like I do, I do appreciate that they at least have tried to make this new part of the Jersey, like kind of blend in and and not really be noticeable unless you're looking for it. So if we're going to have it, like I do think this was, a pretty good execution of it, but like fundamentally yeah. I just, I disagree with the, with it at the at top to bottom. So I I'm glad it's a good execution of a, of a shitty thing, but uh, still yeah. it's, yeah, it's like, annoying. I'm happy. It's not like a website URL or like a loan depot.com <laughs> or, you know, yeah, something like yeah. that. That could be much worse. Um, but like, I go back to like, you, you have an advertisement on the pitching mound. You have the Chevy call to the bullpen. You have the Subaru strike zone. You have like every little thing is branded. And like, of course, these are business people. Of course, they want to make money. It just, I, I <laughs> and I shouldn't be surprised by this because of course, but if I, obviously, if I were in a position to buy a baseball team, it's because I like baseball. Um, and this takes away from it, even though it's a small, minute thing, it does take away from the game for me a little bit. And like I said, the, the 
The jersey's perfect. The birds on the bat is yeah. perfect. No adjustments need to be made. It is what it, uh, it, it you know, it is as it should be. Um, yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. except for, of I, I know course, a lot of people, tiny, tiny Arby's hats on the birds. Let's <laughs> We we do yeah. like that one. That that would have been <laughs> fine. I, I maybe. <laughs> um, and honestly, I was I was even fine. Like initially worried about the Nike patch, but I think they did a good job. I actually like that the Nike patch is the cardinal red um, rather than something else. I kind of I think it kind of fits into the flow. Um, so again, you know, next year I'll probably be worn down and. Uh, it'll be fine, but uh, on this moment uh, or in this moment, I, I I do hate it. Yeah. Well, in Nike, we're all already comfortable with like 60% of athletic equipment and gear and clothing and whatnot having that on it. So it, it's it, it blends in a lot easier, although I personally still don't like it. I think it really it, it, for whatever reason, it really stands out to me and I, I yeah. don't think it. I think it's imbalanced with the with the with the birds on the bat. I think it fits in better on other other uniforms, but um, yeah. with the cardinal one, I, I don't really like its placement. But I don't really know where it would be better. Uh, so, I also yeah. want to just call out. I think the timing of the announcement and the Dewitts just like not giving a shit about this team. I, I don't think that that's actually true. But when you see, oh, there's a press announcement coming down the way and the Cardinals are playing that the way that they're coming, they're playing and their announcement is, hey, guys, this is something that's good for me and no one else. Like, yeah, just shut up. Like, yeah, like just silent release it. You don't need like a big old press conference. (laughs) This is good for three people on Earth and bad for everyone else. It's good for the two DeWitt boys and whatever stifle is and everyone else finds it annoying. So like, yeah, I don't know it where we're yeah. like, we proud to announce our first patch. I'm like, no, you're not. Yeah, um, everyone this. involved with that announcement hates it. Uh, yeah, I hear you. It's like uh, earlier in the year when uh, they were, the owners were just complaining about revenue and then like a week later announced the Apple TV deal. It's like yeah. there's just no uh, recognition of the current moment. Um, so, yeah, super and frustrating. The, well, yeah, the disconnected th- to think that we would be excited about this, <laughs> the, to think that this requires a press conference. You yeah. like you got to Derek Gould and Katie Wu had to show up for that. Who cares? Yeah. That's yeah. an email at best. Yeah, this press release could have been an email for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, All right. I'll stop complaining yeah. until next week. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, we're doing whatever we can to avoid talking about actual Cardinal baseball, <laughs> even if uh, even if we're ranting about other things. But uh, yeah. here we go. Let's talk about some some news from the last week. Uh, a couple roster moves. So uh, I, I did a little jump in on our last episode, something that I don't normally do. But uh, last week we recorded, and seriously, like. 20 minutes after we got done, it was announced that Jordan Walker had been optioned to to AAA. Now, our conversation about Jordan Walker last week, I think, still kind of sums up our feelings on it uh, because he had recently been had his playing time reduced. And we spent quite a while discussing why we think that that was a bad idea and he should just be playing every day. Uh, And then this happens and it's it's still I still feel the same way. Jordan Walker should right. be playing every day. 
at the major league level. Um, but we have to discuss it at least a little bit. Ben, what are your what are your thoughts now about a week after the the demotion to AAA? Uh, you know, I, I think I'm too, and it's really easy. You know, winning fixes everything, right? Uh, yeah. It's really easy to be disappointed in Mosaic and the Cardinals of how they're running the ship right now. Um, and when they say we think Walker is ready, we're going to run him out in the big leagues. Here we go. Um, and then three, four weeks later, they change that tune. It, it it just makes me think like, where's the plan? Where's the player eval? Like, did yeah. you not think he like you? If anyone has the data on Jordan Walker and how he backspins the ball and how his his launch angle, his batted ball profile, it should be John Mosellock and the Cardinals front office. Nothing about his game has changed over this three, four week stint. He is what he thought we what he is, what we thought he was, what they thought he was. So for them to pivot like this. It's strange. It it just makes them look like they don't know what they're doing. And again, winning fixes everything. When the team is kind of floundering um, around this move, I think it makes it look worse. Um, and as we've said umpteen times, the problem isn't the offense. The problem might be the sequencing. The problem might be Nolan Arenado, which we'll talk about a little bit later. There are other problems, but the problem is not Jordan Walker getting at bats. It is not the the ninth guy or the eighth or ninth guy in your lineup, uh, who is actually still hitting league average, um, as a 20 year old, that is impressive. Um, so I don't know. Those are all my thoughts. Uh, like, look what, you know, look like what, you know, what you're doing, uh, Cardinals organization. It just, it's just another, (laughs) they're just not looking great right now. Yeah. Um, so I agree with you, and this continues our conversation from last week. I think that they're trying to do two things that I I kind of, I do understand the effort at least a little bit more, but it still feels bad. But one of the points is that uh, the outfield hasn't shaped up like we thought it would be. We thought that some people would basically grab a hold of spots and run with them, and within the first month, it would be more established who's your everyday left fielder, center fielder, and right fielder. And with the emergence of Nolan Gorman, uh, who's been crushing, you don't really have the DH spot to rotate guys around from the outfield as much as we thought we had. And so you're in this place with five outfielders, all who are somewhere in like league average or slightly above, slightly below league average. And they believe the solution to solving that problem is to reduce the variance and just have more guys have more consistent playing time. And they clearly made the choice that they'd rather have Alec Burleson be the one to get those daily at bats instead of Jordan Walker. Now, why they chose Alec Burleson over Jordan Walker, I think is interesting. I think Alec Burleson has had as good a start as Jordan Walker. I, you know, he's got some really good underlying numbers and he was playing particularly well when this decision was made. Uh, but it does feel weird to prioritize him over Jordan Walker when such a big deal was made out of Jordan Walker and the fact that they were calling him up and he was the starting right fielder and everything. So I would have loved a little bit more of guidance into why they're picking Alec Burleson over Jordan Walker. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Alec Burleson fan. Uh, I think he's a big league player as well. Uh, it just it feels weird that 
he was so clearly selected over over Jordan yeah. Walker. Um, and then the other point, which we talked about a little bit last week, when you have a struggling pitching staff, especially struggling pitching staff that's giving up a lot of fly balls and line drives, which we're going to talk about later, uh, your outfield defense is even more important than it normally is. And so Jordan Walker has been bad in right field. Now, we think it's worth it to just let that bat play and let him become the like superstar offensive player that we think he's going to be. But for a team that's in the spotlight for being bad, uh, you need to maximize every spot you can. And so having Jordan Walker not run around all lanky and awkward in right field maybe makes the most sense right now. I do understand those arguments, or at least yeah. that that perspective. I still would rather just start him or, as we've talked about, shuffle up the infield a little bit more so Nolan Gorman is playing second base more and Jordan Walker is DHing every day. If we're really that concerned about his his defense, I'd rather see that and keep Walker in the lineup. But that's why they're saying they did it. And there is some logic behind it. But to your point, it is a pretty quick reversal from what we were told coming into the season. Uh, and it does feel like trying to fix spots where it's not really where the root of the problem is, but also there's not a lot of uh, high level starting pitching coming down the line. So no. you got to solve the problem in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the funny thing is, is looking at the team right now. And if, if you had to say here sitting on May 3rd, what is the best outfield alignment for the Cardinals? You probably are saying something like Newt in center, Burleson in left or right, and Tyler or Jordan Walker taking that yeah. other corner spot because Dylan Carlson is just not hitting right now. Tyler O'Neill is still striking out too much. I do think he'll he'll turn around. Um, but the evaluation that the Cardinals made and what you were kind of alluding to is that Alec Burleson is a the second or third best outfielder on this team right now. And you go look at his baseball savant page. There's a lot of red there. The guy doesn't strike out. The guy just straight up doesn't swing and miss. He's got, he's in the 96th percentile of whiff percentage right now in baseball. Yeah. Um, and then he's got great average exit velocity, max exit velo and hard hit percentage. So everything is looking great. I think the problem with him is He's just as bad as Jordan Walker in the yeah. outfield. This probably should yeah. more likely be a DH first baseman. Um, you know, his sprint speed outs above average and all that are are really low. His arm uh, makes up for that a little bit. Um, but yeah, you you kind of have you, like you were talking about, you had this dearth of options to start. And now you kind of looking at the outfield again um, a month in, you kind of have this like group of misfit toys and how do you place him? And is Lars Newbar really a center fielder? I I'm not sure the answer to that. Yeah. Um, he can hit, uh, he can walk. We like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not I, sure I mean, what the might, option is. It might simply just be that, uh, you know, traditionally speaking, when you, when you have to send someone down, you send the most recent guy up, send the youngest kid back down, you know, Burleson, yeah played on the majors last year. Burleson looks like he's a major league player. Uh, what's he going to do down at minors Walker? You at least have a little bit of stuff, you know, every rep at, in right field is going to help. Uh, you know, he was hitting the ball into the ground a little bit more than you'd like. Although I don't think anyone really saw that as a long-term problem, but there's like a little bit to point to. And it's yeah. enough of an excuse to say, if we have to send someone down, 
it's got to be this guy, even if it breaks all of the things that we've been saying and the narrative that we'd gone into the season, which if I'm being fair is like, you want the team making the, like not caring about the narrative and not caring about that stuff. They, you do want them to make the most logical uh, selection. I, it just, it still feels bad. I, maybe we're just too hyped about Jordan Walker and we just want him up and playing every day. But it, it seemed like we're not that far off from a Jordan Walker who is one, you know, one of the best hitters on the team. And while offense isn't necessarily the problem on this team, you could never have too much of it, right? And uh, if we could even just win some games nine to eight, we'd still feel better about it. Yeah. Which, yeah, that, I would I would take a couple of those wins this yeah. week. Uh, yeah. If we could get so, there. <laughs> uh, so we'll we'll see. Um, the corresponding move with that was uh, Taylor Motter, who had been DFA'd, accepted his uh, assignment to AAA, I think spent like two days there and then it was re-added to the 40 men and brought back, uh, you know, which, which was the right move. If their goal was to reduce the amount of outfielders, uh, then he was the, the, the right option. Um, so good for him, I guess, uh, this this has been his career though. So I'm sure he's used to it. This is what I'm talking about though, with like the Cardinals, not looking like they know what the hell they're doing is just, just watch the little three-day journey of Taylor Motter. They would not have done that if they felt, if I felt confident in like they knew what their plan was to move forward rather than yo-yoing a guy around when like eight transactions in 72 hours that just led him to be the bench bat again. Um, Yeah. I I don't have anything else to add other than like, I don't know, take a freaking chill pill guy. Like what, what do you slow (laughs) down? Something I, (laughs) <laughs> but also go faster and smarter. Uh, yeah, we we had another interesting move. Um, Zach Thompson has been uh, sent to AAA this time, at least with with a clear idea of a plan. Zach Thompson has been very good out of the bullpen for quite a while now. He's been kind of the long man. We've all been very excited about him, and he's been sent down to stretch out as a starter. Yeah, uh, I I I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think you have to make this move. I think when you're looking at what Steven Matz and Jake Woodford have done, uh, they both have six starts under their belt. Um, They both have uh, 28 and uh, uh, sorry, Matz has 31 innings. Woodford has 21 and uh, 28 and a third. Um, And their ERAs are both over five, seven, two on their uh, FIPs. uh, Jake Woodford's rocking in a six and a half. And Steven Matz, a five and a half. So I, I think that you have to make this move. I think that we, you and I still believe in Steven Matz. Um, I don't think this is the real version. But the fact of the matter is you're losing games um, uh, left and right. And you really just can't afford at this point in the season to let Matz figure it out on the big league level. You need to start winning games. Um, and I think Mosaic basically said, you can't just keep doing the same thing and expect different results. So if this ends up with Matt's going to the bullpen and hopefully figuring out his mechanics, refining his fastball location, I think that that's fine. Um, and we've been kind of having this conversation about Jake Woodford for a couple of weeks now. I'm ready to pull the cord. You know, you, you talk about a guy, <laughs> the results aren't yeah. there. Um, and, you know, you talk about, okay, well, the results don't mean everything. Well, if you look at this guy's, uh, you know, numbers outside of the results, his FIP, like I said, it's it's massive. And I'm just going to read off some numbers on his baseball savant page. 
He is number two percentile in average exit velocity, three Oof. in hard hit percentage, uh, great. nine in expected batting average, nine in expected okay. slugging. He does not. The only number that he has that is above average is his walk rate. And that's a 56 <laughs> um, and his extension, which really doesn't mean that much oh. if you're not getting the results. <laughs> uh, his curve spin is low. His fastball spin is seventh in the league. I mean, the guy is just getting torched and the numbers are telling us, of course, he's getting torched. This is one of the least effective starting pitchers in baseball right now. Um, it It's yeah. too bad. It, it is because he's yeah. he's got the ground ball percentage, but maybe there's another. I'm not saying that, like, you know, throw this guy in the wood chipper or anything like that, but maybe there's another adjustment. Maybe he is just a reliever. Um, maybe. Dusty Blake and him aren't on the same page. Uh, but I I strongly feel of the opinion that we need to pull the cord on him. And, and sorry, to, I, I'm feeling very ranty today. So I, no, I apologize. But I, I, I do think Zach Thompson and making the adjustment with uh, uh, makes a lot of sense. I, he's been a starter. He's a good starter. We like where his stuff is. And he has a repertoire that can play at the big leagues. That fastball uh, curveball combo is going to be great. And we haven't even really seen the change up that much because he hasn't needed it. Um, not to mention he's striking out almost 14 per nine right now. Um, this could be a shot in the arm that the Cardinals bo- uh, uh, starting rotation needs. At the very least, I have more confidence in him than than Jake Woodford. So, yeah, I- I'm very much for this move. I think what has me worried, not worried, which has me feeling impatient, I guess, is the fact that it's going to be three weeks or so until he's starting just because of the build up, build up and the ramp up and all that stuff. It's, you know, the same thing yeah. Wayno's going through right now. Yeah, I imagine Wayno will be back, uh, you know, first, and that's probably going to drop Woodford. And then if Thompson continues to crush in the minors, uh, then he probably comes up to replace Matts, who will move into the bullpen. Uh, there's also Libertor who's doing, who continues to do really well at the minors. Like I talked about it last week. Um, I'm kind of, I, I think we need to stop thinking of the rotation as a five man rotation right now and just start thinking of best man up who's rested and who is, uh, who's executing right now, whether that's uh, on the major league rotation or the minor league. Um, because I think there's some talent there, but we've got to stop that this back half of the rotation is, is trash. And the top half of the rotation outside of Jordan Montgomery hasn't been very consistent either. So you've got no sort of rock right now, nothing resetting yep. it, nothing keeping it, um, giving you those, that consistency other than Jordan Walker. So yeah, I'm a big fan and hate to talk this way, but at the very least we need starters for 2024 and uh, Zach Thompson might be one of them. So let's get him up here and get him going in that capacity and see what we have. Yeah. Maybe it helps turn around right now or it aids in his development towards being a future consistent uh, big league starter. Either way, it, it it's needed. And, and how about this? Libertor also has, has six starts. He has 33 and two thirds innings. The 2.14 ERA in AAA. And what's really exciting is that he has the highest strikeout rate that he has ever had in professional baseball at 12 per nine right now. Um, yeah. He is also has a pretty low 3.2 walk rate uh, per nine. So 
he he's doing everything that you need to see and it's again it's it's very easy to make the leap that he'll be a more effective starter than uh than madison woodford right now and hell i mean even michaelis is is having some some rough luck although uh all all three of those guys all three of those guys they just absolutely love that that late that low 90s fastball right down the middle yeah uh, or or the changeup that doesn't break and just getting hammered yeah uh, yeah i i suspect libertory will get a start in the next couple of weeks because he I, he I mean he looks better it's not just like the results are are lining up there's been a clear tick up in velocity and spin rate like he he just looks like a better pitcher and it's getting me uh and a lot of people i think really hyped and i like the thing we need right now is starting pitching and he's down there doing that and he it's not like it's out of nowhere he has quite a pedigree so uh the another call up i'm uh, coming back from injury i know you and i were both really excited about this guy uh and we finally got to see it we saw it last night uh guillermo zuniga uh has returned and had quite the inning against the Angels last night, uh, including uh, the good part of the Angels lineup, which is yeah. Mike Trout. No Otani, yeah. but uh, he he did Otani strike out Mike Trout. Off, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. How, I mean, so the guy was looking great. Uh, first two batters he faced, and then Mike Trout comes up and his fastball sitting one hundred and one. Um, so he just yeah. found a couple of miles per hour in his back pocket, probably. I mean, can't blame the kid. It's his big league, de- big league debut, and he's facing a Hall of Famer in his third at bat uh, yeah. of his career. Uh, so he finds a couple of miles per hour. He gasses it up to 101. You saw guys, he's threw a couple of fastballs down the middle, and guys just waved at it. Obviously, that pitch yeah. has got a ton of life. Um, and then him getting Mike Trout on out on basically the same pitch that Shohei Otani got Mike Trout out in the WBC, <laughs> a, a pretty nasty yeah. outside slider low and away. Um, yeah, if that doesn't make you feel good, I, I don't know what does. And we've been complaining about the Cardinals pitching uh, most of this episode so far, and we'll probably do some more later. Um, but Guillermo Zuniga and uh, Gallegos and Ryan Helsley, um, and you know, if Hicks is actually figuring it out, you have some serious, serious wattage coming out of the bullpen. Um, yeah. and, and I do, you know, there's part of me, Nate, that I do think a team can be pretty successful if the offense defense and bullpen are clicking. And, and even if the starting rotation is lagging behind, you could still win a lot of games that way. Um, so I don't know. I'm trying to be optimistic. Uh, right. Full stop, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we've seen that recipe before, you know, uh, that that has been a proven recipe. Um, but the offense has, while it's been good, it's not been clicking in the way that you need for something like this. So why don't we uh, why don't we transition right into uh, another topic we want to talk about today, which is Nolan Arenado. So. Uh, you know, I mean, we, I, this, I don't need to compliment sandwich this, but you know, I, I want to preface Comes everything off by saying, disingenuous. Yeah. We're huge fans, obviously of, of Nolan Arenado, but it's no surprise or, or no, should be no news to anyone listening to this podcast that he's been really struggling, uh, struggling in a way that I don't think any of us have, as Cardinal fans have ever seen. And I don't, you know, looking, I spent some time digging into his career numbers today and prep for this. And 
struggling in a way that I don't think we've really seen him as a professional hitter struggle. Uh, all of this is still relatively small sample size. All of this is stuff that he could bounce out of. Um, but I thought it'd be worthwhile for the show to dig in a little bit and see if we can at least understand what is happening. Like what, what is the underlying cause of this slump? And then maybe talk about what we should be looking for to indicate that Nolan Arenado is breaking out of this slump, which we all believe that he will. Um, So I'm going to run through a bunch of numbers here. I'm going to try to keep it uh, like high level and explain what numbers I'm sharing, but I am going to share a lot of numbers. So Ben, feel free to like cut me off and jump in. If, if anything sticks out to you that you want to throw in as well. Uh, So first of all, let's look at some surface stats. Uh, His walk percent is at 6.4, which is below his career normal of 7.9%. So pretty big drop in walk rate. And his strikeout rate is at 21.6%, which is far higher than his career of 14.8%. So right out of the gates, he's walking less and he's striking out more. Not a great combo. So next I look at... Yeah, you watch his ABs right now, and, and I, I, in my head, you remember when the uh, uh, in spring training when the Dodgers asked Miguel Vargas to just stop swinging? I almost want Ali to give Arenado because he just the swing decisions are not great right now. I think we have some more numbers yeah. to talk about that, um, but you can just see it anecdotally with your eyes right now. It's not looking great. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So huge increase in strikeout percentage, huge decrease in, in walk percentage. Those pretty, pretty key indicators of someone's performance. And then so what I tend to do, like when I whenever someone is having bad results, one of the first things I look at is BABIP, batting average on balls in play, uh, because I'm looking for that little uh, escape hatch on someone's bad results. You know, you want to say, OK, they are getting really unlucky. They're putting the ball in play, but they're getting really unlucky. That can happen, especially over a relatively small sample size. Well, his BABIP is at 284, which is already kind of league average. And then you put it compared to his career average, which is 292. You see, there's nothing there. He, he is getting basically as lucky on batting uh, on balls in play as he has in his entire career. So there's something deeper going on here. We can't just shrug away and say that it's just bad luck. So then start looking at some stat cast numbers. Uh, What can we see on the ball coming off of his bat and what's happening when he does make contact? So first of all is exit velocity is 86.1 miles per hour compared to his career of 89.3. So he's hitting the ball a little softer. Now, three miles per hour in a small sample size, that can be, you know, shrugged away, but you still don't like it to be lower. And getting into that mid 80s is where you really start to lose. uh, You really start to fall into league average and and, uh, things that would be home runs or doubles are now becoming outs and and fly balls. Yeah. Yeah, and and I just... A quick note, it's also important to like he he's almost Freddie Freeman like because his his exit velo is never in his career jumped off the page. It's it's a little more about that. But yeah, I think seeing that three miles an hour is is obviously uh not great and something that normalizes fairly quickly. Yep. Uh so speaking of like Freddie Freeman, um you're right, he doesn't 
rely necessarily on elite exit velocity, uh, but he has a really good launch angle usually, like exactly the right launch angle you want for something for his type of profile, and his launch angle is down. So right now he's at a 14.5 degree launch angle when normally his career average is an 18.1. So he's hitting the ball down more than he normally does. So weaker contact and hitting the ball down can already kind of see where this is going, right? Yeah. Uh, his barrel percentage, how often is he putting the ball uh, squarely on the bat? He's at a 3.3%. Sounds really low. Uh, his career is 7.4%. So uh, I mean, that's half, over, yeah. over, yeah, less than half. Um, his hard hit percentage is at a 31.1%. His career average is a 382 now, hard hit percentage, he's wet. He, he's bounced around in his career, um, but that is that's pretty low. And then finally, uh, his WOBA weighted on base uh, percentage is a 261, and his career is a 366. This is basically just a wraparound total number on his offensive contribution. And uh, you can see normally he's at a 366, he's at a 266. Uh, that's a significant decline. You didn't need to didn't me, need me to tell you that he's uh, not performing well offensively, but that number right. really wraps it up for you. Uh, and there is a good uh, there's expected woba. Um, we're getting a lot of letters in our acronyms here. If you're not into uh, saber metrics, but um, this tries to tell you it's kind of like BABIP or um, or weighted runs created. Uh, you know what? Um, what if if you just looked at their underlying numbers and didn't look at the results uh what kind of woba would you expect and he had his weighted or his expected woba is 267 compared to the 261 real so again saying none like he's not getting unlucky here uh what's happening is truly happening he's he's earning these results so not great right a lot of no. like Pretty much down across the board on StatCast. Uh, so then I start to look at batted ball profile. What does the ball do after it leaves the bat? Um, not as far as like exit velocity things go, but like where does it literally go? So first of all, his line drive percentage is basically normal. He's hitting as many line drives as he normally does. Uh, where it gets problematic is his ground ball percentage is up almost 8% on his career. But more importantly, up almost 15% from last year. So uh, the the corresponding uh, inverse of that is that his fly ball percentage is down just about exactly the same because line drive is the same. It hasn't changed. So he's hitting far more ground balls than he normally does, hitting far less fly balls than he normally does, and basically hitting the normal amount of line drives. Um for a guy that isn't necessarily the fastest, uh, ground ball is not really what you're typically looking to do. Um, so everything else looks pretty normal. Uh, finally, wanted to look. So like, what? where is all this coming from? Why is this happening? Can't truly answer that, but I thought it'd be interesting to look at how people are approaching him, how he's being pitched. And I think might have found a little something in this. So I'm interested to see your take on it. Uh, so first of all, he's seeing from his career average, 10% less fastballs, uh, cutters, curves, change and changeups are all pretty normal. 
but sliders and sinkers, he's seeing almost 10% more this year than he has in his career. And finally, he is swinging at pitches outside of the zone about 7% more than he normally does and swinging at pitches inside the zone about 4% less than he normally does. So he's getting more breaking balls that go low and outside like sliders and sinkers. He's swinging at more of them and missing and swinging at less stuff in the zone. Uh, Sinkers and sliders drive ground balls, especially if they're outside of the zone. So basically, he is striking out more because he's swinging at more breaking balls that go outside of the zone. And when he does make contact, it's weaker contact because those are the harder pitches to make contact on. So the league has found some sort of hole. They're exploiting it by throwing in more sliders and sinkers, and he's falling for it. All right. So in order for him to make those improvements, now this is all easy for me to say, of course, sitting on my my little chair here in my office, he needs to, like you said, stop swinging. He needs to to stop swinging at those sliders and those sinkers because they're throwing more of them and it's working. Uh, so he needs to make that adjustment back to the league and get back to what he was. So I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it goes back to what I started off with saying. Yeah, like you said, he needs to be swinging less. He needs to be making better swing decisions. And I think it makes sense that the league would be picking on him with sliders and sinkers. Like you said, those pitches encourage more ground balls. Nolan Arenado hitting the ball on the ground is a bad baseball player. He doesn't have the exit velo or the speed to make up for it. Um, so that's just the way that it is. I, it really comes down to to swing decision. And I think just straight up swinging the ball, the bat less. Um, I, I think there's another thing I want to add, and this is just purely anecdotal. It's something that he's talked about with the idea of being able to power the ball to the opposite field, something that he's taken on himself which is funny because if you go and look at the numbers, he's not spraying the ball around much more than he normally is, but it's a mental adjustment that he's making. So I am curious as to what problem that is having on his current game. Um, but, you know, as you kind of outlined, it's all kind of bad. Um, the good thing is, is that he has a decade of being great behind this. So I do think it's just a matter of time and a matter of timing as far as him timing up pitches and getting his mechanics feeling good. I don't think that there's any way, uh, like I, I still think Nolan Arenado is going to have 30 home runs and a hundred RBIs. It's just slow coming. Uh, maybe he's not seeing the ball. Maybe he's in his head. Maybe he is pressing, uh, because he is that offensive driver and no one else is really hitting the way that they need to be hitting, or at least they're not sequencing out the way that they need to be sequencing. Um, yeah. But all of those things, you know, also speak to aging. Maybe Nolan is getting older. Maybe he is getting a step worse. Um, I don't believe that. But you look at these numbers. We have a month of sample size. And if the Fangraphs article comes out tomorrow that says, has Nolan Arenado finally hit the wall, I will not be surprised to see that because all of these things sound like a player who is past his prime. Um, so I guess we're going to find out. Again, uh, just to say it for the fifth time, if I could sit down with Nolan and uh, the uh, uh, what, uh, what's his face? Uh, can't think of the hitting coach all of a sudden. Dusty I would Blake. say put the bat on your shoulder um, for a minute, let's, <laughs> let's walk some 
and uh, uh, let's see what happens there. I don't. I refuse to believe that the league has just now figured something out on Nolan. I, I think Nolan's yeah. in the driver's seat here. Uh, I said Dusty Blake. I meant Jeff Albert. But um, Jeff yeah, Al- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, not Jeff Albert either. Um, why can't we wait. think of his name? <laughs> Turner Ward. Turner Ward. There we go. <laughs> Baseball podcast. We know what we're talking about. We know what we're doing. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, it's rough. And, you know, we talk a lot about the the prop part of the problem with the, the offense has been the sequencing. And it's a pretty big problem when you're middle of order bat. He's either bat thir- third or fourth all season is in the middle of a, of a huge slump that's going to kill your sequencing because Goldie's been pretty fine. Uh, Gorman has been fine. Contreras has been fine. Newt's uh, been good. Newt's been good. It's, you know, Arenado right there in the middle. Uh, you know, it's heavy narrative stuff, but it does make you think like that pressing thing is, is interesting. You know, there's a lot of pressure on the team right now and he comes up to bat with runners on a lot. So, um, it's pressing a little bit, expanding his zone, Swinging at pitches he wouldn't normally swing at, and here we go. Yeah, who knows? Or his bat speed's down, and he's getting old. I hope you're wrong about all of that little spiel about how he might be old now. Uh, but it, it is so, I mean, the date will come. <laughs> so that could be happening, of course. I don't think that it is because we know that Nolan Arenado over the past year and a half has increased his bat speed from when he was a Rocky. Um, yeah. So it would be stunning, shocking bewildering to learn that he has all of a sudden taken a massive step back when he has just increased it. We know he's increased it in the last six months. Um, Well, last year was arguably his best offensive year in his entire career, right? So you don't normally, you know, go one season to the other that way. So yeah, we'll see. Um, I am of the belief. I am of the belief that Nolan Arenado will find his timing here soon and will start cranking balls pull side uh, like it's his job, which it is. Yeah. So while we're watching games, the thing you're looking for as a fan to uh, maybe see a glimmer of hope is what is he doing with sliders and sinkers? Is he laying off of them a little bit more than he has this season? Uh, That's the thing that I'm really going to be looking for, um, at least based off of this data. So hopefully you all like that. We don't normally run that many numbers down in a row, but Nolan Arenado slumping is not something that happens very often. So I thought it'd be interesting to uh, you know, really run down his, his profile. Um, okay. Well, we've got other stuff that we want to talk about, but before we do, I want to remind everybody that this show is supported by our listeners on Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. We spend a lot of time and effort to bring the show to you every week. We really enjoy it. And we've also really enjoyed connecting with our listeners. Uh, if you like the show and want to support us and the continued growth of the show, continue or consider, joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash talking about birds. All patrons get access to our private discord server. We're having a great time in there. We call it the bird scored. We're talking about the Cardinals trying to stay positive, but you know, maybe there's a little ranting going on in there, but at least it's in a space with other people that you actually get to talk to directly and not something like Twitter where we're all just blasting off uh, rants into the void left and right. I, uh, Shout out to the bird scored. It's been some nice comfort. Also the fantasy baseball league, though, my team could be better. Still having a great time with it. Uh, Ben, uh, if people want to support the show online elsewhere, where can they find us? 
Yeah, make sure to follow us at Talk About Birds on Twitter. You can follow us on Instagram at Talking About Birds. Uh, if you have any questions, thoughts, uh, rants of your own, uh, complaints, uh, whatever it might be, you can email us to at uh, talkaboutbirds at gmail.com. Uh, if you prefer to listen to this podcast on Spotify, we're on Spotify. Check us out there. Uh, we got a TikTok. Check out the TikTok if you want to see our faces um, and some interesting graphics. And uh, man, those cuts I've been working on, Nate, are been working on. Gonna, him. We're, we're going to win an Emmy, I think. A TikTok think, yeah. Emmy. It's pretty impressive. A TikTok so Emmy. Check that out. Um, if all that's too much, you can simply go to talkingaboutbirds.com and find all the socials, links, website, or a uh, podcast, all, all that good stuff. Talkingaboutbirds.com, talkingaboutbirds.com. Yes. Thank you, everyone. Tell your friends. We appreciate it. All right. So we talked about it a little bit before, but we want to dig in a little bit more on the pitching and what we've been seeing. Ben, uh, why don't you take this one? Yeah, we're really getting into the stat. I think this is what happens when it's just not going the way that you want it to go. And you know you have a good team, uh, or, or at least there's some talent on this team. But a couple of numbers that I wanted to talk about uh, was some of the Cardinals pitching staff as a whole. As a team, the Cardinals have an XFIP, which again, that's the expected fielding independent pitching, which is essentially an analog for ERA. Uh, just a little more advanced if, if you're not familiar with that stat. They have a 405, uh, 4.05 XFIP as a team, as an entire staff this year, which put them puts them at seventh in baseball. Um, so that's good. That top 10 with the offense that you have, you think that's a playoff team. Um, it yeah. should be a playoff team. Uh, now, obviously, other factors are, are going on there. But what is the problem uh, is that the team ERA, what's actually happening, the on-field results, is their uh, uh, 20th in baseball with a 4.57 ERA. So they are essentially earning half a run every day that they should, they, they should be um, uh, keeping down. So, so that's a problem, especially over time. Uh, they also have the league's sixth worth home run fly ball right rate at almost 15%. For example, Pittsburgh, which has a fine pitching staff. I, I wouldn't <laughs> say that they're leagues above the Cardinals by any means. They're rocking an eight and a half percent. So it's very possible that while Pittsburgh is getting a little lucky, the Cardinals are getting a little unlucky. I'd say the one thing that I wanted to point to that is a little concerning is that this staff is giving up the most line drives in baseball. And while line drives, um, uh, you know, don't typically lead to home runs unless they're absolutely O'Neill Cruz style crushed. Um, they do have extremely high batting averages. Anytime you're hitting the ball on a line, yeah, I think it's like over 50% uh, to be a hit. So the Cardinals are just getting line drive to death, which is not good. Um, they need to increase their ground balls, even though their ground ball numbers are pretty good. Um, really, for this pitching staff, what you need to see is balls on the ground, fewer line drives, and fewer fly balls that are turning into home runs. Um, and I think when you have starts like the starts that we were complaining about earlier, probably not super surprised to hear those numbers. I was just kind of, you know, as this team is kind of floundering, finding what exactly is happening, what we're watching on a nightly basis, kind of helping our eyes and our brains understand what what is all going. Um, you know, anyways, try, trying to find an answer there. All that being said, 
I do think it's important to point out how good Jordan Montgomery has been. Uh, he has been a top 10 pitcher in MLB, according to F war right now, he's actually number 10. Uh, so that's pretty great. What is disappointing is that he is really the only pitcher with positive war on the team. Everybody else is, is basically 0.1, 0.2, 0.3, 0.4, uh, F war, which is just not going to cut it. So again, I don't know, not people don't really want to hear us say it's sequencing and luck. Um, but it kind of is. And the numbers are showing us that the problem is, is that it's all going wrong at the same time. And that makes a really hard to watch baseball team. Um, yes, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you can imagine the luck turning. And the thing with luck is that it could turn tonight, uh, Wednesday night yeah. or Thursday. Um, there, there's, I, I think it behooves the Cardinals to make cho- changes like what they're doing with Zach Thompson and, and hopefully Adam Wainwright. And, but a, a reasonable take <laughs> is that it's just going to stop. It's going to stop being so bad. I I love the take. I, I cherish the take. I, <laughs> I, I look, I, I want the take. You know, yeah. I think... Uh, XFIP is an interesting stat, um, cause it, it's, it's, it's good for trying to predict future outcomes. Um, it's way better than ERA, uh, but some of the things that it, you know, teams underperform or overperform FIP all the time, right? You rarely do you land, does, do your results land right around what FIP is and the things that, uh, you know, first of all, from a team level FIP, the team has a pretty good bullpen and we have to go to the bullpen a lot. Right. So that's likely driving down the, uh, the overall team FIP. Although I don't know if you can find that while we're talking. So I'd be interested to hear what the starting pitching FIP is compared to the bullpen FIP. Um, and so there's that I'm wondering what the balance is and then, uh, poor defense and giving up home runs also, uh, you know, will will make you underperform your FIP, which is two things that we've kind of been seeing from this team is home runs and mediocre outfield defense uh, and even some mediocre infield defense at times too. Uh, so, you know, I think that number is good, seventh best in the league, but uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily be waiting for just some magical moment where the luck turns and everything goes perfectly because there are some underlying problems uh, that, you know, need to be addressed. And I think it is basically Jake Woodford, uh, Stephen Matz, <laughs> yeah. and uh, Miles Michaelis to some degree. Uh, and, uh, you know, Flaherty too. I mean, we're all pretty hyped on like where he's headed, but he's having, he's not been crushing it either, you know? So when four of your five starters are possibly blowing the game before it even gets to your good bullpen and your, and your offense is, uh, you know, not clicking, like it's tough. It's tough. I don't um, know if it's just going to be luck. And really quick, the the starter uh, FIP is three point nine six. Reliever FIP three point nine two. Interesting. So, okay. Yeah. Essentially, they Wait. they've been equal. So where's the four point? If if wasn't it average was four point something? So uh, uh, that was XFIP. I was that was a different oh, right, number. Right, 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 right. Okay. But, uh, okay. Talking okay. strictly uh, fielding independent pitching. Um, yeah, okay. the, obviously the XFIPs are a little higher. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. And, and I just like to clarify a, a little bit extra, like not only did the, does the pitching luck need to change and maybe some personnel change, but a lot of things on offense as far as luck, like, oh yeah, I, I'm more just kind of illustrating the fact that it could all change and this team could be a lot better. I'm not saying they would be great. Um, yeah. And again, they need like all facets of the game to change quickly. Uh, yeah. And, and I guarantee you that's what Mose Lock is sitting there saying. I guarantee you that's what Ollie and, uh, and Goldie and them are talking about as well. Um, but we're at the point well, I mean, where like you say whatever you want. We're, we're in last place and, and we're a month plus into the season. So yeah, as we were talking about the other week, like those 20 losses that they're sitting on ain't going away. Those are yeah. yours. You're behind the Cincinnati Reds right now. That's real life. So yeah, change. There's a good, there's a, there's that old phrase that, you know, I didn't think we'd ever have to use, but it's, you can't win the division in April, but you can lose it. Right. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but yeah, well, uh, you know, I think it, it, what you're saying absolutely makes sense. I do think it is to some degree what we're seeing from Mosaic and Marmol and them say, like, they're saying a lot, like we are going to be good. We're a good team. This is going to be good because there aren't a lot of changes. They could just go and make no teams are trading right now either. So it has to all be internal. Uh, so yeah. Um, well, we've got we've got hopefully a uh, an opportunity. We've said this a few times, but here comes another one. Um, an opportunity to turn things around. Uh, we've got two more games against the Angels, although one of them is, of course, with Otani on the mound. So we'll see how that goes. But after that, we have a uh, a series against the Detroit Tigers in St. Louis. Ben, can you give us a little bit on the Tigers? What can we expect? Yeah, Motor City Kitties. Let's go. Um, they're really, uh, they're really bad. Um, yeah. To to put it kindly, um, Eduardo Rodriguez, who had a very strange year last year, uh, dealing with divorce and and going back home and and so on and so forth, he is having a great year uh, right now. He is um, far and away the best pitcher for the Tigers. He's rocking a 2.21 ERA over six starts and just everything is looking great. Um, Spencer Turnbull is a guy that I like a lot. His The results haven't been there, but this he might have some of the best stuff on that team. Um, so we'll see if, if he can put it together. Outside of that, some names uh, that have been around for a while. Michael Lorenzen is starting with him now. Matthew Boyd is back. Um, their bullpen has been okay, not great. And when you get to their position player group, I mean, it's it's pretty bad. Uh, Spencer Torkelson is is having some bad luck, a, a slightly better year than he was having last year. Javier Baez, um, man, man. I, I, this he might go down as one of the worst deals that the uh, a team has made in recent memory. Maybe only or the other, only other worst deal I could think of off the top of my head is the Miguel Cabrera extension, and the Tigers are currently sitting with both of those salaries on their books right now. The um, Rendon deal has been pretty bad for the Angels. At least he's uh, been injured, straight up injured and not playing. Like you can still kind yeah. of think that there's a bounce back. Um, but but I guess we'll see. Uh, the, all that being said, you know, Matt Veerling is, is promising. He's got some, uh, obviously he's traded for him. I thought that was a smart trade. Riley uh, Green, Akil Badu. Uh, we like to say Akil Badu. Um, outside we love of, I mean, to say Akil Badu. Akil Badu. Uh, this team Badu. is bad though. Um, yeah, 
I was really bummed when the Tigers signed Jave Baez. I think we've talked a lot about this because I think I feel like it was everybody knew that whoever signed Javi Baez was going to have a bad time. And I was really hoping it was going to be like the Yankees or the Astros or something like that. And then the Tigers signed him, a team that felt like they had been making a lot of smart decisions and were on the rise. And I like the Tigers, you know, I, I have always liked them and then they sound like, no, yeah, they don't, they, they're like the Cardinals. They can't, you know, they can't make that bad of a signing and just bury it like some of these other teams can. So, uh, and it like immediately was bad. I mean, he got benched earlier this year for, for, uh, a horrible base running play. Yeah. I I mean, essentially this is why Al Avila lost his job as GM is because of how bad this deal was. At least I'm of that opinion. Um, so Cardinals should beat this team. Even if luck isn't going their way, they should beat this team. This team has a negative 50 some odd run differential already. Um, they're 10 and 17. Uh, like I said, the pitching is bad. I will say the best thing they got going for them is Jake Rogers mustache, which we will all see in its glory here very soon. Funny looking dude. Um, but I, I really, (laughs) really like the mustache and he's a fine enough catcher. All right. So, yeah, we'll see. Uh, should be a good series, though, especially in St. Louis. Like, come on, this is a good chance. Win a series. Hey, how about win the first game of a series? Yeah, we'd love to see that. Uh, then the Cardinals do have another challenge, regardless of how good the team is or not. This is always a challenge. The Cardinals are going to Chicago. They're going to play some baby bears. Uh, they're playing the Cubs. Uh, what are you what are you looking for in this series, Ben? Cubs offense is really good right now. Nate was right about Cody Bellinger. He is having a return to form. Yeah. His MVP level. He has got a 161 OPS plus, seven home runs. He's got a 377 on base percentage. He's playing gold glove defense. Um, he, he's rocking and rolling out there. Ian Happ having a great year. Patrick Wisdom having a great year. Dansby Swanson is continuing to be good, as is Nico Horner and Jan Gomes. The only players that are really under hitting right now is Trey Mancini and Seiya Suzuki, who you could easily see turning that around really quickly and being positive uh, uh, contributors on the uh, offensive side. Um, And on the pitching side, Justin Steele has been really good. Um, I I think we all are very familiar with Marcus Stroman. He is being Marcus Stroman. Um, And Drew Smiley almost threw a perfect game this year. So the Cubs are good. Um, the Cubs are playing way better baseball than the Cardinals right now. This is going to be a true challenge. If the Cubs have an issue, it's their bullpen. Um, Brad Boxberger has been their best pitcher so far, and he's been okay. Um, outside of that, it really has not been great. Um, so that is where the Cardinals can look to, to pick on them, and maybe they'll see some regression in the starting rotation. Uh, you know, Hayden Winsaki is not a great pitcher. Um, but they're hitting the ball hard. They play really good defense. We we talked about it earlier this offseason. When you got Bellinger, Swanson, and Nico Horner up the middle, um, and Jan Gomes is no slouch behind the plate, like this is a team that could could <laughs> smack the Cardinals around pretty easily if they're playing yeah. the way they're playing right now. So uh, you know, be be worried about this. This is this is gonna be a tough one. I'm worried. Yeah, me too. You should be. <laughs> you told me to be worried, and I am. Good. 
Yeah. Yeah. Stupid Cubs. Um, yeah, a lot of things clicking for them right now. I, I still think their pitching long term is not enough to to sustain this all season. Um, but their offense is likely legit. Coding Bellinger, it might be back. It's a little early, but all signs are pointing towards him being maybe not MVP caliber anymore, but uh you don't need to even if he's 75% of what he was in you know 2019, uh and I think 2021 he had a was his last good year. Maybe 2021 was his first bad one. But anyway, yeah. you know, we all know what he was. Um, even 75% of that is a huge boon. It'll be interesting to see what the Cubs decide to do because he will be, the way things are heading right now, he's on a one-year deal with the Cubs. He would likely be the biggest piece on the trade market if they decide to trade him. Uh, they may try to extend him since it's going so well. They could also do what they've done in the past, which is trade him and then extend him uh, yeah. or, or re-sign him in the offseason, which is really, I think, the ideal move. Um, but we'll see. It, it, I hate that they are in such a good position with that. He was one of my top targets for the Cardinals in the offseason, even though knew it wasn't likely to happen. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'll say, you know, to poke holes in the Cubbies, he is getting a little lucky as far as his batted ball and uh, things are yeah. dropping probably at a higher frequency than they should if you look at his numbers. Um, but either way, the guy's got a 973 OPS right now, and that'll that'll work. Um, and, and again, the defense, as we know, uh, before the season started, was going to be really, really good because he's really, really good at that. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's check in around the league. Um, not a heavy news week. But uh, still, a few things happened. Uh, what do you got for us, Ben? Yeah, Bryce Harper returns from Tommy's surgery, Tommy John's surgery, 159 days off, and he is back. He started last night. Uh, obviously, the timing wasn't there against the Dodgers, um, but pretty wild. Just the fact that he's back, he's you know a face of the game. It's good to have yeah. Bryce back. He was wearing his fanatic uh, tennis that he likes to wear. Um, so yeah. Anyways, that's good news. Um, there are some pitcher injuries that are are pretty serious. The Rangers placed Jacob DeGrom on the 15-day IL due to elbow inflammation. <sighs> the Ferrari's back in the shop, Nate. Yep. It's such a bummer. You it know? is. And I, I, I'm, hi- I'm pretty hyped on the Rangers, and you just want this to come together for them. They, they, everyone knew it was a risk. Uh, it's wild that it happened so quickly. Hopefully, he can come back. But here we are again. The same thing with Jacob DeGrom. And hey, these Rangers are in first place. Their their offense is smashing and their pitching is just good enough. Um, but man, their offense is really, really good right now. Um, kind of all the guys that you expect are uh, are doing what they need to be doing. And Odalis Garcia is continuing uh, <laughs> to be good. Um, yeah. The uh, uh, Robbie Ray to miss the remainder of the season to a flexor tendon surgery too bad uh for the mariners i'm always kind of pulling for the mariners um but their yeah. second or third best pitcher is not going to be there um and then out here in colorado herman marquez is going to undergo tommy john surgery um which is too bad um i kind of look at him as the rockies best player and uh he ain't going to be there no more so too bad yeah yeah injuries um, suck <laughs> yeah and getting out of injury news, uh, I, I was thinking I was going to do a curse on this part, but I don't think I'm going to do a curse on this part. So, <laughs> Oh, shit. Um, I didn't even know that was like 
in play that you I, just well, could you could just do a curse. I was thinking about it, and then I I reread it, and now that we're recording, I don't think I want to say it, so I'm not going to say it. But anyways, okay. ESPN MLB reporter Marley Rivera, who I'm a fan of. Um, I think she's pretty good. She has a good relationship (laughs) with the Latino players, uh, being a, a a Latin woman herself, but you got something to add. (laughs) You mean curse word? Yes. Yeah. There's really one part of it that I don't want to say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fair. I thought you meant you were going to like, I put the curse on you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) what? That's why I like, well, I don't know. That's what I think of when you say I'm. I was going to do a curse on this episode. Oh, no, we just... say we say naughty words all the time. We're little stinkers. I don't yeah. think you would have. Uh, but I know this is a particularly difficult word. So. I know. I was. I was thinking. You know what, Ben? You're an adult. You could say whatever you want. And then I read it again, and I don't want to say it. So, anyways, I'm going to do half a curse. How about that? Um, anyways, Marley Rivera has been fired from ESPN for calling another reporter at Yankee stadium, a fucking C, um, which was recorded. Uh, and it was essentially, she got in a fight because she had set up a time to interview Aaron judge. Uh, this woman, uh, who is another fellow reporter for MLB, um, was kind of butting her out of the way and not respecting the sanctity of the interview time. Um, and then we find out that the person who she yelled at at is actually the wife of MLB VP of communications, John Blundell. Whoops. Lo and behold, she gets fired. I'm of the opinion that, you know, workplace hazard, you're going to get, uh, you know, if you're, you're trying to get that interview, especially with the MVP Aaron judge, you know, some elbows might be throwing some names might be called. I don't know if that's necessarily a reason to be fired. Um, I can't believe that's the worst thing that a reporter has done on the job at ESPN trying to get a story. So a little bit of silliness, especially when you find out who the woman is married to. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm sure Marley Rivera will be get getting picked up by somebody else. Um, and for all I know, maybe she's not that nice of a person, especially if a phrase like that will fly out of her mouth that quickly on I was camera. Say, but- it's a- it's a particularly rough one to call it people, is. Uh, it is. you know, so, uh, you know, they might have been fired either way when you line it up with who they called that. Yeah. You know, it definitely seems inevitable. Um, Not the classiest uh, I mean, way to disagree with somebody. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. Uh, yeah. And that'll wrap up my league news this week. All right, Ben. Well, uh, this week we're going to wrap uh, the episode with another little game. Got something special for you. Um, as we discussed earlier in the episode, uh, Mike Shannon passed away. And we love Mike Shannon for a lot of reasons. And the world loves Mike Shannon for uh, what have become known as Shannonisms. Mike Shannon has a way of words. Uh, that is really hard to describe. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of famous quotes around baseball. A lot of people have made very funny and very uh, interesting statements before. And so today we're going to play a little game to see how, if you can tell whether it's Mike Shannon or someone else in another edition of Talking <laughs> About Words. Hey! Words. Words. Great edit. Words. 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 Words.
All right. So, Ben, the way this is going to work is I have a quote for you. And you're going to have to tell me whether it was Mike Shannon or someone else. You okay. don't even have to give me the other person. Okay. You just need to tell me if it was Mike Shannon or not. All right. Uh, if you get it right, you will hear a portion of Mike Shannon's Brad Lidge 2005 Albert Pujols call. Nice. Sounds like this. Talk about a most valuable player. How is that? Woo! Let's go. <laughs> and then if you get it wrong from the same call, you will hear this. This could be a crushing blow. A crushing blow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it makes me miss him even more. I know. I know. I was sad putting this together, but also very happy the whole time. Okay. First quote. Was this Mike Shannon or not? Things are not as... <laughs> Things are not always as they appear to be as. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like classic Shannon to me. I'm going to say that's Mike Shannon. Talk about a most valuable player. How is that? Woo! Let's go. <laughs> All right. You've got one on the board. All right. The next one. This big standing room only crowd is settling into their seats. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> This is going to be hard. Uh, that also sounds like classic Mike Shannon to me. Talk about a most valuable <laughs> that? Hey, we should know, speaking extemporaneously for hours on end is not easy. I know. Yeah. You say some it's, stupid it, stuff. Yeah. Um, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. Oh, I'm pretty sure that's Yogi Berra. Uh, I'll give that to uh, not Mike. This could be a crushing Oh, wait. Blow. Wait, I got my sound effects wrong. Yes, the, you got this right. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow, you suck at um, this. Yes, so that was Yogi Berra. There's a big overlap between Yogi oh, Berra sure. and Mike Shannon, although I think Yogi Berra was doing it intentionally most of the time, and I don't know if Mike Shannon was. Well, I want you to have a couple of ice cold Budweiser's. The words just start flowing. Uh, uh, he's the biggest thing to hit Japan since they dropped that bomb on Nagashima. Oh, oh my god! Oh, I wish this wasn't Mike Shannon, but I think it is. Uh, I'll go Mike Shannon. Talk about a most valuable player. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Yikes. he's talking. He's talking about Hideo Nomo. And I particularly love the Nagashima, yeah. which is a portmanteau, I suppose, of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the two places. Yeah. <laughs> Not right. that one didn't age well. That's nope. problematic. Yeah. Um. All right. I've heard it said that if you know English, Spanish, Italian, and I think it's French, you can go just about anywhere in this world, except for China. Where they have all those derelicts. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I hope he didn't say that. I'm going to say that's not Mike Shannon because that's rough. This could be a crushing <laughs> blow. A crushing blow. He did say that? It, it was Mike Shannon in 2002. Uh, derelicts? He's trying, to say, he's trying to say dialects. Oh, okay. That makes it better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cheese. 
Little League Baseball is a very good thing because it keeps the parents off the streets. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that sounds like something he would say. I'll give it to Mike Shannon. This could be a crushing blow. Uh, a crushing that, blow. that one is actually Yogi Berra again. Yogi Berra, okay. All right. The way to make coaches think you're in shape uh, in the spring is to get a tan. Uh, uh, huh. <laughs> I just like that one. That's a good one. I'll give that to Mike uh, as well. That's got to be Mike. This could be a crushing Damn. blow. No. A crushing blow. That one is Whitey Ford. Oh, hey. Okay. Yep. All right. Here's a good one. I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't believed it. oh wow that sounds like yogi to me i'll I'll go yogi on that one not mike this could be a crushing you're in a real you're in a real funk here ben that one was mike shannon i wouldn't have seen it if i hadn't believed it (laughs) (laughs) all right a few more here for you i'd be willing to bet you if i was a betting man that I never bet on baseball. Wow, that's a complicated one. Um, okay, I got to break my funk. I'm going to say that is not Mike Shannon. Talk about a most valuable player. That's right. How is that? Woo! So that's a funny one because that's Pete Rose. I'd be willing to bet you wow. if I was a betting man that I've never bet on baseball. Great quote from Pete Rose, known better, of, better on baseball. And he lost a bet. yeah that's the worst part (laughs) okay like spring makes the rains come so does the edge of the plate grow like spring makes the rain come so does the edge of the plate grow that is incomprehensible i'm gonna give that to mike probably late in the game talk about a most valuable player there that's right yeah whoa all right, this is my last it one. Kind of sounds like Ric Flair. Yeah. Woo! All right. Back in the day when I played, a pitcher had three pitches. A fastball, a curveball, a slider, a changeup, and a good sinker pitch. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll give it to Mike as well. Talk about the most <laughs> valuable player. How there we go. Woo! Those are the ones where it's like, I can't tell if he's being, if that's intentional or not. And it's so funny. Yeah, that's pretty right. good. Um, I got a couple more for you. I didn't want to put them all in the game, but uh, don't bite off your head to spite your nose. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, while broadcasting from New York under a full moon. Oh, yeah, I this wish is you a folks great one. Back, I wish you folks back in St. Louis could see this moon. And then... <laughs> Uh, on the day before Easter, I just want to tell everyone happy Easter and happy Hanukkah. (laughs) (laughs) At least that one is kind and inclusive. It's just dumb. (laughs) Yeah, it's very nice. And that was back in 1998. You know, he's, he's in his prime. Great. All right. Yeah. Obviously some of these don't necessarily age well, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a legend. So, um, and I think just, I will always love Mike Shannon. So hopefully you all enjoyed hearing some of these quotes. 
Um, and it, you know, got a chance to listen to a bunch of Mike Shannon games while he was still broadcasting. So uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode. Thank you everyone again for listening. Consider the Patreon, patreon.com slash talking about birds. And uh, uh, we'll be back next Thursday, as always, hopefully after a much better series against the Tigers and a good series against the Cubs. Uh, so thanks again, everybody. And until next week, go Cardinals. Yeah, I don't know. Step on a crack, break a mirror, cross in front of a black cat, <laughs> burn some sage, do everything you can. Turn this luck around. Let's go Cardinals. At first I thought you were trying to like mimic a Mike Shannon quote. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Kitties and the bears. Motor the kitties City kitties. And the bears. Ooh, tiny cats, little bears. Meow, tiny. growl. Meow. All right. <laughs> meow, growl. That is a classic meow, growl situation we've got this <laughs> up this week. All right. Save it for the pod.